Welcome back to the Injury Prone Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Edwin Porter, doctor of physical therapy, medical analyst, fantasypoints.com, Minnesota Twins physical therapist. Gracias por tus oídos hoy. Today, we're going to take a listen to Eric Romhoff, who is doing a really great thing, putting on a charity event, essentially. Uh, you'll get to know a little bit more about what that means uh, during his interview. What it amounts to is you could draft a fantasy team with me. If you want to draft a fantasy team with me, all it takes is donating. I'll leave the link in the show notes. Donating to the National Hotline of Domestic Violence, something I'm super passionate about and I think deserves a little bit of shine here. Um, but yeah, if you donate, it's an entry to get in to a fantasy draft with me. You can draft with me and we can take all the Saquon Barkley in the world. So uh, we'll talk about that here a little bit. Then after that, I am going to get into some draft strategies to avoid and target in terms of injuries. Please subscribe, rate, review the podcast. Trying to grow, grow that little sucker and subscribe to my newsletter pinned at the top of my Twitter profile at FB Injury Doc. Make sure you are following that. Make sure you have the Injury Insights tab bookmark. Make sure you have everything you need to absolutely crush your drafts, to absolutely crush your league mates when it comes to injury news, injury updates. Make sure you read my injury profiles, which are now published online at fantasypoints.com. Now let's get into it. Welcome back to the Injury Prone Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Edwin Porras, Dr. Physical Therapy, Medical Analyst, fantasypoints.com, but that's not what matters today. Gracias por tus oídos. Today we have at Fantasy Nav. Am I saying that right? At Fantasy Nav is the name? Yep. Okay. Nav at like Fantasy Navigator. Nav. Ah, at Fantasy Nav. I get it now. He's Eric Romoff. He is a FSWA member. He's a contributor to drrotor.com. Uh, he and going for two. He's a co-founder of Pros vs. Joes, and he is a co-founder of uh, Get Green Screens. Now, the reason we have Eric on today, one of the primary reasons is, of course, we want his fantasy takes, but we want to talk more about the site that he founded, pros, proswithjoes.com. And Eric, thank you so much for being here. I would want, I want everybody in the audience to sort of know what was the, what is Pros with Joes? You know, what was the impetus for Pros vs. Joes? And what are we doing? And what is the cause of Pros vs. Joes? Uh, and how does that interact with fantasy? Yeah. Um, first off, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm super pumped to be here. Um, I I tend to think there's not really like a quick version of this story, so I'll try to give the shortest version. Pros with Joes, we are a charity fantasy football league. Uh, this year we are 56 teams deep, so it's four 14-team conferences. Uh, one of the things that's unique about our approach is that as opposed to many of the other uh, charity leagues or listener leagues out there where um, you know, everyday players are kind of pitted against a particular website or platforms uh, experts. We actually pair them up to work together. So every one of our 56 teams is a pair of co-managers, an industry expert such as yourself, and a Joe, an everyday player that donated to that expert's charity of choice for a chance to win their way into the league. So uh, it's 112 people playing this year. It ends up being a ton of fun. Um, and we get to raise money for a number of different charities. We, we have some overlap this year, but um, right now we're raising for, I think it's 48 uh, different charities this year. Uh, every year it's it's a different lot. So cool to see all the different organizations that are doing good work out there. Cool to hear our pros stories about why their particular cause is important to them. And at the end of the day, it ends up being a really cool fan experience, right? Someone who uh, has followed or adhered to a particular analyst's advice for uh, years, sometimes longer, can now ride shotgun with them and be part of the conversation when they're making 
lineup decisions and adding players on the waiver wire. So it ends up being almost kind of like a like a master class in fantasy football, but also some some really cool relationships burgeon out of it. So uh, we're in our third year and we are having a ton of fun. We're, we're raising a lot of money for a lot of different causes. And it's uh, it's been a fun ride. So what was the impetus for this? How did it start? You know, what what was going on and how did you ha- come up with something like this? Yeah, so it's um, it's it's kind of a kind of a winding road. Um, 2020 was my first year to, uh, participate or at least to get into the Scott fishbowl. Um, and that was the point where I really got, uh, kind of a full grasp of the magnitude of just how large this is and, and, and more so just how, how much of a through line that, um, philanthropy is within the fantasy community. So it seemed like there was an opportunity to do more in terms of the idea, uh, actually, our year one champion, Dave Richard over at CBS, um, he tweeted out suggesting that he would be willing to share or co-manage his team in the CBS Listener League. Um, and that was kind of the the point where the, the ball got rolling, right? It, it, there was a ton of response to that. It seemed like there was a market for this kind of concept. So to me, you know, it, it felt like it was really, um, you know, touching on several key areas. Again, people... You know, people play fantasy with their discretionary income, so there's you know a natural bridge to using some of that discretionary income to do good, right? Um, you know there is this this outpouring of response, and you can see it whenever people post, you know, ask me anything or send me your lineup question uh, tweets and posts out there. Just people love to get in and to engage on that, and also I, I think it created a kind of a cool opportunity to to support a variety of causes, right? It's not all money being piled up to go to, um, you know, one charity or the other. It, it, it allows our participants to pick a cause that's important to them. So that's how it all came together. Uh, when we started out, I think it was like 15 days before the kickoff of the season in 2020. So didn't really think that we were going to get much traction, right? We thought we'd be lucky to scrape together 10 or 12 people um, and just started blowing up DMs and, you know, all of a sudden had two and then had six and we had a few people that connected us to a couple others. And before long, people were reaching out to us asking to get in. So, um, you know, really took off quickly. This this community is amazing and and absolutely responded to the call. And now we're now we're in year three. Awesome. Yeah. If you want to check more about that, check out more about that, go to proswithjoes.com. You mentioned the fantasy aspect we were, we were talking a little bit earlier, which I thought was really interesting. What are the general rules? What's the format? Let's say you finally get in with the celebrity that you're trying to host uh, host with. And, you know, what does that format structure look like? And I think we should also back up and explain a little bit more because I know I was confused for, for a second there. Every dollar that's donated goes to the charity and every dollar counts as a, quote, raffle ticket, right, as an opportunity to, to be the person that's able to ma- co-manage the team. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, essentially we're running 56 different sweepstakes all throughout this fundraising period. And as you put it, every dollar that's donated is another entry into that sweepstakes. Um, We are now uh, actually just recently announced a a whole slew of giveaways that are also in the mix. So um, every time that you donate, every dollar that you donate, you'll be entered in to either win your way into the league or you'll be able to win a ton of different prizes that are out there. Um, the easiest way to keep tabs on all that, you mentioned the website, proswithshows.com. You get registered there. It'll take you to our donation page. There you can see 
all 56 of our pros. You can see all of the fantastic causes that they're playing for. Uh, if you follow us on Twitter at pros with Joe's, there are um, a number of different threads and that giveaway one that I made mention of is the one that's pinned up top. So a number of different ways to get involved. You can give to as many charities or causes as you like. Um, and it, it ends up being a, a lot of fun stuff that we're giving away. Um, it ends up being a, a really cool experience, like I mentioned. And, um, you know, it's, it's an opportunity to, to get in on the league and, you know, mix it up with, with some of the best in the industry. Yeah, so I think that was really uh, an interesting way to direction to take that. And for me, I know that the uh, my charity is if you want to donate, hit me up on Twitter at FBInjuryDoc. Uh, but we do have a, a link that you can go. My charity is the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Um, that's something that I, I'm relatively, I'm obviously very passionate about. So um, even if you can't donate, I think one of the biggest things you can do is just support, right? Hit a retweet. Just knowing. Uh, that uh, charity exists, just knowing that a website exists, right? Just knowing that, I know that for me, looking through all the charities and seeing, oh, you know what? There is like this population of people, this pocket of people in our society who maybe need a little bit more attention or we need to think about them more frequently or, you know, whatever the case may be. So even if you can't give, you know, a dollar, that's totally fine. We understand, but we would love any type of, uh, any type of retweet, any type of sharing, or, you know, even just saying, hey, this is cool, passing it on to your friends and, and family. I think that's one of the biggest parts that one of the things that uh, I could, any advice I could give. So back to the structure, you mentioned before we hit record, this is a 14 team league. Now talk a little bit about how the divisions and, and, you know, conferences are determined. Tell me a little bit about what the scoring format is. Like what are the starting spots look like? Let's get into the nitty gritty fantasy stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's four, 14 team conferences but essentially each conference kind of operates like its own league it has its own draft has its own player pools you're only um you know calling through waivers against the 13 other teams in your conference it's not until the playoffs where we start um you know uh, merging those together and, and having different teams from different conferences face off uh in terms of the format itself it is single quarterback it is ppr um but apart from that Every other roster spot that you will uh, that you will roll out is a flex spot. Um, so if you want to start a quarterback and eight wide receivers, you have that agency to do that. If you want to draft uh, Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts, you can do that. Um, so it ends up being a lot of fun, right? Like with with these expert leagues, um, you know, a lot of them can kind of be sort of rinse and repeat. So. We wanted to, you know, really give a lot more latitude for players to make the teams whatever they want them to be. It also helps on the back end with uh, ending up with some more uh, unique lineups in the playoffs, right? Um, you know, every year there's a short list of players that, you know, really outperformed their ADP or were kind of the waiver wire darling early in the season. And we don't want to find ourselves in a situation where, you know, several playoff matchups have a number of the same players facing off against each other. So a um, little bit of a wrinkle. It, it definitely, uh, you know, requires you to, to flex your strategy muscle, but that's part of the process as well, right? You get to be in on uh, those, those strategy conversations as you're determining the, the best angle to take to, to attack the drafts. Well, I do have one issue with this situation. You said we have kickers. Is that correct? No kickers. 
Only oh, defense. no kickers. Oh, defense. That's what it was. We have defense. Man, why you got to throw defense in there, Eric? I, I don't. I don't, I don't want to do defense. Like what, what you got to give me some form of incentive, you know, what, like maybe every, for every defense you draft, um, I don't know. We'll think of something creative for every defense you draft. It's like another dollar towards a charity, man. You're, you're really killing me with this defense thing. What was the impetus behind defense and no kicker? Yeah. So really both of those positions are prone to variance kicker a little bit more than defense, at least depending on the scoring system. Really the thought is, I wanted to have one still in the mix because um, I, I want to you know, kind of force a bit more um, diversity in the in the waiver approach, right? Um, if everyone's got a full coffer that they're just firing at uh, at the skill positions, uh, it's it's a little bit of a different strategy than if you also have to make sure that you're rostering a kicker, right? It, it creates a little bit more scarcity in your roster and how you use your bench spots, but also it it adds a little bit of a wrinkle to to how you approach waivers. So I'm not uh, I'm not out here you know stumping for you know kickers and defenses need to be in in every every fantasy roster, but I do think that it's something that you have to account for in how you manage your team, um, and that's a that's a degree of difficulty that I wanted to introduce. All right, yeah, that's fair. I'm just whining and complaining because I'm not good at drafting defenses. It's really what it is. I'm just in. Well, I mean, that's that's the point, right? Just. I mean, same same thing as as most of the advice out there. Just don't draft them, and you know, pick up whoever's got a good matchup week one and stream from there. Right there, you go. So I think this is obviously a really really cool uh, concept situation. And before we get you out of here, I do want to know what are two tips you have for drafters this year, and who are two dudes that you can't walk away from drafts without, or you don't want to walk away from drafts without. Yeah, I I guess um, you know in the kind of broadest sense. Uh, the tips that I have for for drafters are, are fairly straightforward. The the first is either build your own or find a set of rankings and projections that you trust that you deem to be reliable, right? And really use that as your guide. And then the second tip that I have is is more of a one A to that concept, which is take those take those rankings, take those projections, and divide them out into tiers, right? Tier one running backs are Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey, right? Tier two, probably five or six guys. And as you're going through, especially in a snake draft, for me, you want to be at the end of each of those tiers, right? Um, Whereas in an auction draft, it's the exact opposite. The end of the tier is where you're going to find yourself paying a premium. So the later into the draft you can get, you know, that tier two or tier three value, the better in the snake situation. But if you're in a salary cap league, um, you don't want to you know, push the ball too far out because everyone tends to realize that a tier is drying up around the same time. And you're going to end up paying a premium for you know, kind of the back end option in that tier when someone at the top or the middle of that tier went for the same or in some cases less. So um, that's generally how I'm thinking about drafts in terms of guys that I find myself um, you know, not wanting to leave a draft without. I don't necessarily head in with that sort of mentality, but there are several guys that I find myself with a ton of shares of. Um, Jalen Hurts is a guy that I probably have rostered. I'm looking at my my complexion right now. Um, uh, about more than anybody else on uh, on, a, on a, across all of my teams. Um, for home leagues, Trey Lance is another guy that I don't think his is being drafted quite as early as he should be um, in high stakes leagues and industry leagues. He's going about where he should. 
Uh, but those are two guys that I, I find myself with a lot of. And then on the wide receiver front, it's, it's really a tie between two fairly similar guys. I find myself with a lot of Keenan Allen, and I find myself with a lot of Brandon Cooks. Um, you know, depending on how the draft unfolds, in many cases, I'm getting those guys as my wide receiver three, and they are in, uh, well, Keenan Allen is in a fantastic situation. Brandon Cook's not so much, but it's one where I expect them to be trailing a fair amount. But uh, the thing that they have in common is that they are going to be absolutely peppered with targets, right? So usually, uh, especially in, you know, my second running back in my third wide receiver with flex spots, I want to try to covet you know, uh, stability by way of a volume floor so that I can go shoot for upside elsewhere in my build. And because of that, I find myself with those two receivers more than just about anybody else. There you have it. Anything else you want to leave the fantasy drafters with anything else you want to plug or any, anything, any last words on pros versus Joe's? Uh, I'm sorry. That we have pros, pros with Joe's. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, nothing, nothing that we haven't said uh, already, but I'll, I'll, I'll happily say it again. Proswithjoes.com, at proswithjoes on Twitter. It's the best way to check out everything that we're doing, to, to get involved. Um, you know, once you get there, I mean, Edwin, you absolutely nailed it, right? If, if you're in a position to donate, uh, please do. Please consider it. You know, give a little, give a lot, whatever you can spare. Um, if you are donating, know that all of these organizations do an amazing job of stretching a dollar. Like as I've gotten to know some of them, it's just insane. Like you give these guys five bucks and they can go like legitimately change people or animals lives. It's, it's just wild to see if you can't advocacy and awareness is huge, right? So, you know, telling your friend, telling your home league, uh, hitting that retweet button, whatever it might be, it definitely goes a long way. So um, there are certainly more than one way to get involved the best place to find out how to get involved pros with Joe's on Twitter pros with Joe's.com. I appreciate you, Eric. You have real life, real responsibilities called kids. Um, so I'm going to let you get back to that responsibility. Thank you so much for setting this up. If anybody wants to donate uh, to my charity, the uh, domestic violence hotline, just at me on Twitter. I'll see it at FB injury doc. Uh, let me know there. And we will also, you know what? You can also, Email me at injuryprompod at gmail.com and we'll figure something out. If you want to manage a team with me, um, understand that we will probably still take Saquon despite the positionless nature of the rules just because it's it's a bit at this point and um, he's my guy. So we'll stay on top of it. Eric, thank you so much again for coming on um, and that will do it for today. Take care. And we're back. Going to give you some insights here that are very specific to drafting. I know that a lot of you might have had your drafts already uh, and you're looking for ways that maybe you can clean up your roster at this point, but there are plenty of people too that have simply not drafted yet. And that's, I know me for a couple of leagues that I'm in, especially my home league that hasn't drafted quite yet. So I wanted to give a little bit of context before you head into drafts and understand how you can better use injury and injury situations to your advantage. The first thing that you need to know is that there is a 98% injury rate in the NFL. Everybody, every person is injured at some point. So let's dig into the numbers, right? So just in 2021, 11 out of the top 20 fantasy football players, skill players, non-quarterbacks, 11 of the top 20 missed time due to injury. They missed a total of 44 games. 11 out of the top 20 picks by ADP in 2021 missed more than 50% of games. It happens. For more context, 
when it comes to top 20 skill players, again, the same sample from 2016 to 2021, they miss an average of 3.9 games together. Further, from 2016 to 2021, there were an average of 12 high ankle sprains to skill players. There were 41 concussions for all skill players, 44 hamstring strains, 13 ACL tears. Those are just in skill players. Every year, that's about the average that we see in terms of injuries. When it comes to high ankle sprains and concussions, unless it's a recurrence, those are totally unpredictable. I say that because I wanted to preface with this to explain the difference between Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey is not as wide as you make it out to be or as you might hear on the Twitter streets in terms of injury and injury risk. Is Christian McCaffrey more likely to have a hamstring strain this year than Jonathan Taylor? Theoretically, yes, by about 5%. Is Christian McCaffrey more likely to have an ACL tear than Jonathan Taylor? Is he more likely to have a high ankle sprain? Is he more likely to have a concussion? The bottom line is no. Those playing fields are just about equal. Those are terrible injuries. We don't wish injury on anybody. But the bottom line is that unpredictable injuries happen. Nobody would have guessed Kareem Hunt was going to have a high ankle sprain last year. Nobody would have guessed that J.K. Dobbins was going to tear his ACL in camp. These things are unpredictable. They're random. They're not anything that we as fantasy gamers can account for. So I want to say that just because I think you need to draft a little more freely. Don't draft scared. Now, that's not to say to ignore relative injury risk. Because again, if you wanted to go Jonathan Taylor over Christian McCaffrey, that's fair because of that hamstring specific recurrence and because there is some lateral ankle sprain recurrence. I would understand if you wanted to go JT over CMC. Now, where you start to lose me is when you'll see on these Twitter streets, as I mentioned before, quotes like, well, everybody gets injured, so it doesn't really matter. Or the inverse, which is, oh, I don't want to draft this individual because they're always injured. It takes a lot more nuance and a lot more context to be able to analyze these situations on an individual basis. The other thing is, obviously, I've coined the phrase injury prone is a lie. I don't want to say I've coined it, but I use it frequently. People know me for it. Injury prone is a lie primarily because it's really difficult to decipher when a player is going to get injured again and when it's a pattern versus when it's not. There are so many examples of this. Keenan Allen's a poster child for it. Another guy that before 2021 people were freaking out about his injury history is Joe Mixon. Those two guys obviously have been fine. Going back even further, you think of guys like Frank Gore. He couldn't stay on the field. He had a ton of injuries. But the bottom line is that these situations aren't predictable. So I'll give you one where I took an L. In 2021, I basically said, I'm not drafting James Conner. He's had a connective tissue injury four out of the last six calendar years. He hasn't finished more than an average of about 13 games in his entire career. I'm out. What did James Conner do? He went out, he played 15 games, and he probably helped you win your league. So anytime we think that we're starting to pin down a pattern, these things shift. They can change. Now, does that mean that I'm higher on James Conner this year than I am last year? Uh, no, not necessarily. So you might be asking yourself, why? Why aren't you back in on James Conner? Well, because we're looking at the bigger picture. Since 2018, James Conner has finished 12 games, 10 games, 11 games, and 14 games. This guy just simply has not 
finished games. He's another year older. He's got ankle issues. He's got connective tissue injuries. I don't know if I'd be willing to use him for an anchor running back. I think if he falls to me and he ends up being my RB2, I'd be much happier with that. But the bigger picture that James Conner has shown us is that he simply can't stay on the field and can't stay healthy. That doesn't mean that he won't. doesn't mean that he can't. But last year was definitely an outlier. Last year was the first year that he finished more than 12 games. So we just take that stuff into consideration. Another comparison that I think is really interesting is Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette. Think about Leonard Fournette, who, by all accounts, obviously has been really good. We love that he's Tom Brady's pass catching back. We love that he basically has a backfield to himself. But he doesn't come without risk himself either. And I understand that he's going in the third round. It's, it's a bit of a different conversation. But there are still situations that we want to monitor and, and think about when it comes to Leonard Fournette. For example, for example, Leonard Fournette hasn't finished a full season since college. After accounting for the suspension, he's played fewer than 14 games every year. Now, again, we can't predict games missed year to year when we're comparing other players. But it is fair to question and wonder if based on his specific injury history, hamstrings and ankles, usually dealing with both at the same time, because those have a higher recurrence rate, that he's going to continue to miss time as he has his whole career with those same issues. I get the question, when does something become chronic with Leonard Fournette? The answer to that question is now. He's got chronic ankle issues and he's got some hamstring stuff that are starting to pop up more frequently. So does that mean you should avoid Leonard Fournette? Does that mean you should avoid James Conner? No. That means you should simply know what you're taking on when you draft them. Yeah, sure. If Leonard Fournette only misses two games a year, then that's pretty much par for the course. But what if those two games are in the first round and second round of the playoffs? Perfect example of that that happened to me last year. I had a couple of guys that were really good. They only missed two games in a season. In my home league, they both were injured at the time that I made the playoffs. Lost in the first round, outscored everybody the rest of the year. I know you don't want to hear about my fantasy team, but it happens, right? Just understand what you're taking on and draft with that context. The other thing is when you're drafting and you're looking at post-surgical cases, understand that context matters within those cases as well. The perfect archetype of a guy to think about is Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin is roughly seven and a half months post-op from his ACL issue, his ACL surgery, and he didn't start on the pup, and we haven't heard of him having any setbacks, and now he is in a non-contact jersey doing team drills. It's fantastic. You love to hear that. He's not having any issues. Flip that to J.K. Dobbins, who's more than a year removed from his ACL plus. It was a multi-ligament issue. He still isn't doing team drills, and his own coach is saying that his leg got tired. Now there are rumblings, based on some reports coming out of Baltimore's camp, that if they needed to, they could place J.K. Dobbins on the IR to start the season. Those are the archetypes that you want to look at and you want to understand on a deeper level how they might impact you if you draft that player. Chris Godwin, we know he's a fringe wide receiver one when he's healthy. We know that he meets all the criteria in the previous episode where we discussed Chris Godwin to be an absolute outlier and smash. So when you take him as your wide receiver three or your flex, you are banking on a mid-November wide receiver one at your flex spot. 
that's unmatched upside. When you're drafting J.K. Dobbins, we know because of the 17% dip in fantasy production year one post-op ACL and the length of time that it's taken him to get back, if you're taking J.K. Dobbins, you're probably taking him for a back half of the year little boost at RB2, especially if you are starting to run out of options. He has some upside, but it's unlikely that he's going to hit his ceiling this year. So taking those considerations into context really matters. I think the last thing that I want to say when it comes to injuries and, and injury analysis and how it gives you an edge is it can very much lead you to where you want to be by the end of the season. Chris Godwin's a perfect example of that. J.K. Dobbins is another example. You also want to look at range of outcomes and how injury might affect that. There are a lot of rumblings about Michael Thomas and whether or not he'll be the same when he comes back and he's already got the hamstring issue. Now, yes, that is a risk. So when you compare somebody like Michael Thomas to Chris Godwin, we understand that even given the entire context of the situation, Godwin is in a much better place. Michael Thomas has a new offense, he has a new coach, he has a new quarterback, and he hasn't played in two years and he's already dealing with a hamstring strain. We know that. But when the context affects ADP, let's say you miss out on Chris Godwin, you can get Michael Thomas as your wide receiver three in your flex. Okay, well, maybe we don't expect necessarily a wide receiver one season from Michael Thomas. But if he's your wide receiver three or flex, and he still ends up being the leader of that wide receiver set, then you have yourself the number one wide receiver in your wide receiver three or flex spot. Obviously, that's you have to take that with a grain of salt. It totally depends on your league settings. It depends on the draft room. It depends on in positional need. But you have to look at these scenarios very differently. I think the number one question, too, that I get is, what about explosiveness? The bottom line is if a guy is young, if a guy has had a long time to rehab, and if a guy is super talented, the data really bears out those guys can survive a lot of injuries or s single individual injuries. You think of somebody like Saquon, who I've talked about endlessly. He was going to smash after the ACL. It didn't matter that he had the ACL. And then he tripped the ankle up. So these guys have ranges of outcomes, but if they're young, if they're healthy otherwise, and if they're talented, they can really win out. So that's sort of my word vomit and how I approach injuries. You could call me more so of an injury optimist, and there are very few guys that I wouldn't take or that I would avoid, but they do happen. They do come up. It's not to say that I just take every injury and look at it the same, but most instances, in most instances, Injuries and injury situations can lead to a nice little ADP discount. So again, thanks. Thank you again for listening to us. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast rate review. Please share. Make sure you sign up for my newsletter. It's totally free. Pinned to the top of my Twitter page at FB Injury Doc. And if you have any questions, make sure you hit me up there.